Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Hello and welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. I'm Veronica Avila and my co-host today, Omar Ramos, is out on a special assignment, but filling in is guest co-host Robert Salazar. Welcome, Robert. Oh, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So glad to have you because today's episode is on a topic that I know many of us probably don't think about much, but it's important because it can definitely affect our kids. And I'm talking about child stress. It's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, boy. Yeah. Believe it or not, children may be more stressed than ever. To discuss further, we have an awesome psychology team. It's a tag team here. We have Dr. Cornejo Garcia, who's an amazing clinical psychologist, as well as Dr. Alicia Lajos, a clinical psychologist and co-author of The Struggle is Real. So why don't we start off with the definition of child stress? What is child stress, Dr. Lajos? Well, it's just the circumstances that happened and children are exposed to it, whether it's internal stress or external stress. There are circumstances that are beyond their control, a hurricane, an earthquake, a terrorism attack, stuff that happens that they're exposed to or internal things in terms of how they're able to cope and manage with homework or just their day to day. And so stress are just the circumstances and then how they're able to cope and manage and it's the circumstances is really what we're trying to help our children with, um, help them help them learn coping skills to be able to deal with whatever comes their way. And interestingly enough, there was a recent study in the UK that found that one in 10 children suffer from mental health problems like stress, anxiety and depression. And a very important point that was really new to us, depression starts as early as two or three years of age. Wow. And what does depression look like at about that age period, Dr. Cornejo Garcia? Well, at two or three, some children are not fully verbal, so they're going to be showing their their feelings and their actions and their behavior. And so it may be more crying, more clinginess. It could be more temper tantrums. It could be that if they were potty trained, all of a sudden they're bedwetting again, things like that. So it would be mostly in their behavior. Some of them may be able to say, but that's only if they've been trained to say a little bit more about how they feel. But for the most part, it's behavioral. All right. Well, it sounds like child stress is indeed real. So let's listen to our first scenario, seven-year senior. Anyway, my counselor said I needed a better social network, <laughs> like friends, I guess is what they're called. <laughs> I've never really concentrated on that before. So thanks for coming to lunch with me, I guess. No worries. You always seemed nice in class. I did? <laughs> well, I guess you never talked to anyone in class, but, um, I mean, thanks for the salad. Sure. So, like, wait, you're 26, so did you, like, take some semesters off, or... Oh, yeah, big time. Second semester sophomore year was pretty much when I exploded. Well, let me back up. They don't allow quadruple majors, technically, but I'd worked it out individually with each department, business, law, pre-med, so I could accrue the necessary credits on an accelerated schedule without declaring four separate majors all at once. On paper, it looks like I'm undecided. <laughs> undecided. Anyway, I was supposed to be done in five years, but like I said, it got to be a little overwhelming and I had to take this annoying medical leave and the way I'd set it all up, it was either finish all my majors or graduate with none. But I have so many hours of counseling, I have to keep up for my, well, it's better now, but essentially anxiety and depression. But yeah, that's how you get to be a seven year senior. So like, what are you gonna do when you graduate? I don't know. 
it's hard for me to think about I've been taking classes for so long now like endlessly long I can't grasp that there is an end in sight what will you do? I have an internship set up at this law firm in Baltimore with any luck I can just stay on there afterwards it's what most people do there well that sounds nice have you kept in touch with any of your friends from high school or like you know people no to tell you the truth it'd be kind of embarrassing at this point everyone I grew up with is married or has kids or well they had some kind of plan at least unlike me just grabbing everything I could not realizing that the weight of it all was are you okay yeah, I just get sad sometimes. Did it pay already? Uh, uh yeah, y- yes. Yes, you did. Thank you. I-, I better go. I have loads of work to get um, done. Okay, well, uh, thanks again. Mm-hmm. Uh, bye. Good luck. Well, sometimes you need to tell the bartender all your problems. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that was quite a lot. Yeah, I'll say. Wow, four majors. Four. Four majors, no time for a social life. Well, she's trying to do, she's trying to follow the uh, the advice from her counselor, right, and get some social network going on here. But she's got four majors, seven years in college. She's got this other internship or something that she has to do. I'm already stressed just to think of putting myself in her shoes. That's a lot. Can you imagine trying to keep up with her schedule? What's happening here, Dr. Cornejo Garcia? Does she have too much on her plate? Absolutely. She has too much on her plate. I felt bad for her. Yeah, she's she was really um, overwhelmed with good reason. It seems like along the way she accumulated probably just a little bit too much mm-hmm. and maybe was not advised well, possibly, or maybe people didn't know all that she was doing and how she was trying to do it. At 26, she was even the feeling embarrassed and shame and sad and all these things because she hadn't accomplished much. It was really sad to hear her seem so down over mm-hmm. her efforts, you know. So, yeah, it's, she definitely has too much on her plate. Even the gentleman that was sitting with her seemed like he was overwhelmed <laughs> for her. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. I'm wondering if it's the, I, there was a line she said, there's no end end in sight. And I feel like when it comes to stress, that must be one of the most comforting aspects of handling it, mm-hmm. finding an end. Can you speak to that at all? Like what it means to create a goal that is possible? Yes. Yeah, no, I think you're hitting it in the nail. I mean, what is challenging about her circumstance is that she's just piling one thing after another. And even the bartender was like, okay, so what's your goal? What's your purpose? What's the end Mm -hmm. point? Then you're able to create a plan and you know that eventually you're going to be able to succeed. And her, it was just busy work, it felt like, just keeping yourself busy and going in circles. And so it's just a little frenzy. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to pull back, and almost sometimes that's where the saying goes, less is more. Mm -hmm. And if we're able to unclutter our lives, just figure out what is the one thing that we want to do. Actually, there's a book called The One Thing, and that's the idea in that book. Just figure out what is it that you want in life, what's your purpose, and focus on that one thing. At the beginning, as kids, we might expose our children to different activities and Mm -hmm. different opportunities so they get a flavor and we're able to give them a sense of what's out there. But once they're able to tap into their talent and their passions, then we're able to really just work with them on that one area that they're able to develop, whether it's tennis or swimming. Mm -hmm. Same thing with her. She's just all over trying to grasp everything, and we can't be all things to all people. And, yeah, it's really important for us to figure out what we're good at, what we love, what's Mm -hmm. our passion, and do that. And maybe we could do a couple other things on the side, but really just focus our energy in one area so we're not going crazy and losing it. 
Right. And just as the study pointed out, I mean, many parents pressure kids to succeed. Could this cause children to put extra pressure on themselves, resulting in even more stress, kind of like Adrienne was going through? Absolutely. And uh, children look for their parents' approval and Mm -hmm. being successful, their teacher's approval in being successful. So, yeah, absolutely. Children are going to try to find that external reward as quickly as they can. And, you know, if they know that that's what's going to make mom and dad happy, that's what they're going to go for. It's reinforcing. It's definitely reinforcing. And one thing I wanted to add to what uh, Dr. Laos was saying, too, is that the young lady mentioned depression and anxiety was something Mm -hmm. that she was dealing with. And especially when you're anxious, and she even said it, it was kind of like the world on your shoulders. It feels burdensome. And so breaking down what feels like a really big, big thing Mm -hmm. to one thing, and you know, just really making it seem like it's a step-by-step issue and just breaking it down to one thing to do is the better thing to do than to look at it all at once because it it is just overwhelming. You will feel like the world is on your shoulders for sure. Wow. And even though it seemed like Adrian thought she had it all under control, I mean, I could hear her just pouring that water. It's like, I don't even know that she realizes that she's doing that. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I don't know if they're they're losing touch with reality because of the anxiety levels. Mm -hmm. But as parents, what can we do early on in life to avoid a severe condition like we saw with Adrian, Dr. Laos? One thing is let's not hold our children to this academic you know, standard mm-hmm. that is so high. Yes, we want our kids to love learning. That's the goal. Yes. Let, have them to love learning, appreciate life, have a curiosity, and we want to foster that. That's different, though, than you have to have all A's. Yes. Because... We all know there's all sorts of things that can go in that. And if your measurement is based on what grade you're going to get versus love, a love of learning and a love of life and a, and a sense of purpose and what's your purpose in life, there's a different bent to that. Mm-hmm. Because then you're going to create a sense of your identity is based on your performance. Mm-hmm. I have to have the trophy and I have to work really hard. And if I don't do that and if I'm not perfect, then I'm going to be less than. And you'd mm-hmm. hate for your identity to be tied to those performances. And oh, great. Granted, we know that we have to get the good grades and make the team to get the scholarship at the end. So there's all sorts of motivating agents out there that propel us parents to push our children forward. And we want to do that to a certain extent. But when we overdo it, like everything, mm-hmm. we can attach identity and self-worth to the achievement. And that could create a, a sense of stress that's just way too much and over the top. But if we invest in having them love learning and love curiosity, then our bent is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, you are your grade. There's a different tone in that and they can appreciate and, and they want to learn and they want to excel. But it's not because if they don't do that, then it's going to be less than. Hmm. Very interesting. Right now that you're, you're saying that, I'm just thinking, I don't know if many parents that are out there can relate to this, but I'm just, you transported me back to my childhood when my dad would say, I want an A. And I would bring like a B. And he's like, I said an A, not a B. And of course, we worked hard to to get the grade, right? But now I'm thinking as a parent, am I doing the same thing with my kids? Wow. So thanks for that insight because now I have that self-awareness so that whenever I find myself doing that, and I invite all the parents that are listening, if you find yourself doing that, let's stop doing that. And let's follow the tips that the doctors just gave us. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And, you know, my my parents always prized critical thinking and, like, teaching yourself to love thinking Mm -hmm. as opposed to just getting these, you know, what they called carrots, which 
which are the grades and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So obviously, good grades aren't a bad thing, <laughs> but but you know you need to love learning itself. Yes, I totally get behind yeah, that. Yeah, and you know that's where the anxiety comes in because the anxiety is what fear of the unknown, as well as when you add a little bit of shame in that that mm-hmm. I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. and so therefore if I'm not able to push forward and be able to get the mark that I need to get, then I'm not you know, I'm less than, and you get that shame script, Mm -hmm. and then that shame script really just becomes a core identity, and then that starts fueling all of that depression talk, and, you know, then you add the stress, Mm -hmm. and so that's where things start spiraling downward. Right. These are Um, tremendous insights, and that's actually going to take us right into our next scenario. It's called, Why Do You Make Things So Hard on Yourself? Just take a breath, Jacob. It's okay. It's not okay. Fractions? I lost on a question about fractions? What am I, nine years old? Who forgets to reduce? You can't get everything right all the time. I heard myself say four-sixths and then immediately, immediately realized what an idiot I am. You're putting way too much pressure on yourself. Four-sixths. It's four-sixths. It's two-thirds, moron. You always reduce. I think maybe you should take a break from the mathletes for a while. What? Because I lost? No, I can I can do better. It was just a stupid mistake. No, no, I don't care if you lose. I think you're just doing too much. You need a few more hours in the day, you know? A little more sleep, uh, eat a meal sitting down. It'd be good for you. You don't care if I lose? What does that mean? Are you listening to me at all? SAT prep, four AP classes, honor roll, mathletes. It's too much. You have to drop something. The easiest thing is mathletes, no, don't you think? No, 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 no. I can't drop it. We have two meets next week. I can talk to your teacher. I'm sure she'll understand. You can't go on like this. If you want me to calm down, I can calm down. It's really not no problem. It's not. It's not no problem. Jeez, I can't even speak English anymore. I'm so stupid. I'm not asking you to quit forever, just to take off the rest of the term. See how it feels. It doesn't work like that. I can't take a break from competitions and then just waddle back into the team like, Hey guys, how the meets go? Oh, we lost? Oh, oh well. It does work like that. You need a break for your own good, you take it. They'll understand. No, they won't. They'll understand. I don't want to. Why do you insist on making life so hard for yourself? Just because you can't do it doesn't mean it's hard. I'm smart. I like it. Just leave me alone. I know it's hard for you to think about, but you can't keep going at this speed. We have to drop something. Think about what it could be. We'll talk more about it in the morning. (sighs) Whatever. All right, we just heard a very strong-willed 14-year-old Jacob who's overwhelmed with all he's got on his plate, and it's affecting him, but he doesn't see it. What's going through his mind? How can parents going through something similar help their child? Well, what's going through Jacob's mind? Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of anger, frustration, disappointment. He's upset. I was really proud of the father for responding the way he Mm -hmm. did, honestly. He could have responded angrily from the Mm get-go and he didn't. He kind of kept his cool. Towards the end, he kind of started losing it because he was frustrated himself. Mm -hmm. But Jacob was definitely pushing his own limits. If he would have been in a room by himself, I would have bet he would have argued with himself if he had the chance, you know? (laughs) And we all have, right? Yes, right. He was just beating himself up. And maybe he needed that space to do that. Maybe he needed that frustration, that steam to blow off some steam. And the father was just there to interact and try to be supportive. He could totally hear that the father was trying. But Jacob was 
was definitely feeling a lot of things and not really listening anymore because he was too busy feeling. Maybe it would have been a good idea for dad to let him blow off the steam first and then wait till he was calmer so he can mm-hmm. talk to him then because he definitely wasn't going to listen to reason at that point in time and he was he was starting to get disrespectful. But then again, I'm still going to praise dad because he didn't really react to that. I mean, he got angry, but not angry and at that exactly and probably avoided a different argument. My uh, hat's off to dad, but Jacob is definitely, he's just frustrated and he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to do well. And to Dr. Lowe's point about self-esteem, you could tell that he has a certain perception of how he should be. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's not meeting that perception at all. Mm-hmm. Well, just like you said, kudos to dad, because I know if my daughter would have responded to me, it would have been a different story. <laughs> you know, that way. Yes. But then again, it's good to know what the child is feeling, because then now we, if, if we have that situation, I don't know, Dr. Laos, how we can respond or how can we prepare as parents for a situation like this one in yeah. advance? Yeah, well, obviously the son is very driven. And I think as parents, we need to be kind of like a thermostat, right, mm-hmm. which is what the dad was being kind of like okay you're just way over the mm-hmm. top and I liked the question at the end that the dad did which, which, which thing do you drop and he provided some suggestions at the beginning mm-hmm. which obviously was met with resistance but at the end he said well, you got to figure out what you can drop you can't keep up this lifestyle and so I think that that was a good tip you put it back on the shoulders of their children you just provide an observation it's way too much and something's got to go. Mm-hmm. And then I think I would push a little bit further and I go deeper and I would ask the question, what is driving you to do so much? You know, have a conversation, not when you're angry or, you know, just explosive. But I'd just be curious, what, why? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to do so much? I think we all want our children to excel. You just look up an article on Facebook or the link it that comes up and it's like, these are the 10 top ways that you can become the most successful person. Wake up at four in the morning and mm-hmm. exercise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all these things. And so that's how society paints a picture of success. It's the yeah. people that have it all and do it all. And, you know, they're the heroes. So culturally, there is a sense of aspiration and admiration for doing it all. So some of it might be culturally bent and picked up and some of it might be just individuals. As individuals, we've got the type A personality. So some of us have that bent towards just being driven and doing a lot more and managing well. So the the idea is how do we coach our kids if they are driven to figure out how to manage their schedule, how to take things out and how to really gauge when it's just way over the top. And I think the dad did a good job asking that question, but I would go deeper and just try to understand what's at the core, what's at the heart, and then being able to just help our kids manage, mm-hmm. manage life. Take out. You got to take out things. And I like that. You got to take stuff out before you add things in. I completely agree about this society-driven stress. I mean, I just was traveling in the airport and I was looking at magazines and every cover, it was like a list of 10 things that can make you better, stronger, faster, smarter. I mean, we live in a society where we're constantly trying to improve and improve. Mm-hmm. And eventually we're going to get burnt out. I mean, how much oatmeal can I eat? <laughs> <laughs> how much can you really enjoy? You exactly. Know? <laughs> you know, can I have a cheeseburger every once in a while? Yeah. I don't know. But that being said, we're trying to always manage stress better later in life as well. What do you think about that? Is there such a good thing? Is there such a thing as good stress? Absolutely. I mean, good stress is where you're motivated enough 
to do something and yet you're not overwhelming yourself and you're still coping well. You know, you're still balanced in some way. You know, this child in particular, if Jacob was also able to see that, you know, maybe I do do all these things. I know why I'm motivated by all these things. And yet at the same time, I can calm down and I can realize that, you know, I'm doing my best. To your point about your conversation about what you see in society, it's hard because even the father was, he's not getting support from society when he's trying to be reasonable and say, you know, this is enough. This is what's defined as enough. And yet everything else is defining enough as, wait, it's not enough yet. And so how difficult for even Jacob, who said, you know, I'm, my peers are going to be like laughing at me or, you know, so you never feel like there's an end point. So the point, I guess, in terms of feeling like you're doing your best, your best, which means that means you need to know what your best is. And if you are a parent of a child, that means you have to help a child understand what, you know, how are they feeling about it and how they can still feel good about it, how you can praise them and reinforce the good that they're doing. And then also that they don't feel overwhelmed by something else. Like if it is being a gauge and a temperature gauge, like uh, Dr. Lau said, you know, where you are able to see for your child, it's like, yeah, you, you are driven, you do enough, you do a lot, you overachieve. And I have children and they like to go after a lot of things mm-hmm. as well, but not just uh, academics, but extracurriculars. And sometimes I say, hey, you know what, where's your tipping point? Yeah. You know, your tipping point is where you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not, you're not socializing, you know, so then you know that that's your tipping point and that should be okay. You know, it should be okay with you. It's okay with me. You should be okay with it too helping a child feel okay with who they are and their self-esteem and their self-worth and the self-esteem and self-worth that they're building that identity. Yeah. And, you know, you can have a level of stress where you're able to operate. You take the anxiety that you have. And then, like I said earlier, anxiety is fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And so we compensate by having control over our circumstance, by planning, by doing things. And when we still don't have control, then the anxiety goes up the roof. Mm -hmm. When it gets to a point where the anxiety is the one speaking, then that's where we're not able to function, eat, sleep, Mm -hmm. do basic things. And then that's a good indicator that it's way over the top. You're not able to think through. And then that's not helpful. Um, So I think teaching our children to have margins in their lives and just being able to have fun and be a kid and not just be so crowded with stuff, then you're not able to enjoy your family and enjoy your friends. And so it's it's playing that balance game that as adults, we need to also do a self-check-in from time to time. And that is exactly, exactly what our next skit is going to be about. It's called Priorities. Why don't we listen to it? Hannah, hot chocolate's ready. Coming. Hey, thanks. Grab the marshmallows, will you? Sure. How's practice going? Good. I always love hearing you play. Here, have a seat. So, I wanted to talk to you. If we look at our planner, you have piano lessons here, you have science club here, you have Girl Scouts here and here, getting ready for your summer trip, and then all of this is gymnastics. Does that seem like a lot to you? Yeah, it does. Does it seem like too much? I don't know. Does it? Well, it's up to you. I mean... I know we can squeeze it all in, but I also know personally, when I start to get this booked up, things stop being fun and start feeling like chores. And you're only 10, you know? As you get older, these commitments have a way of getting bigger and bigger. It's good to stay on top of them and make sure you still like what you're doing. Should I quit something? Again, it's up to you. What are your priorities? I mean, do you like Girl Scouts as much as you like gymnastics? Um... I'm not trying to put you in the spot. You know, just curious what you think. Well, I like Girl Scouts because of all the fun things we do. And next year I'll be a cadet. And that's true. You've been doing it a long time. 
But I guess the things I like most about it are the projects. And I kind of like science club projects better because they're a little more serious. What about gymnastics? Gymnastics is my favorite. I'd rather do three practices a week than piano. Really? I think so. I feel really good at gymnastics. I think I could just play piano on my own for fun, you know? Okay. Well, we can stop piano if you want, whenever you want. It's just a weekly payment. And we don't have to stop Girl Scouts, but you can if you want. Or you can keep doing it all. But you know the rule. Anything we do, we do all out. We can't start skipping practices if we make a commitment. Right. I think maybe stop piano. Okay. And keep the rest. Cool. So, what else is new? Uh, oh, the substitute teacher yesterday ripped his pants while I sat down. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> all right, love it. So we just heard 10-year-old Hannah and her mom having a discussion of all the extracurricular activities that she has. Busy girl. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> but mom was really smart, though. She sat her down. They went over her agenda, her whole schedule, and... She somehow managed to have Hannah take a look and decide for herself what she wanted to keep and what was just too much for her. Is that easy to do, Dr. Cornejo Garcia? Well, it was for mom. She did a really nice job. I mean, she it was optimal. She had hot chocolate and her daughter seemed calm and she was calm and they were just ready to talk. And so how nice, you know, it seemed like. It was maybe good timing, possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the circumstances were, but it sounded like mom was on point in terms of making sure that she was focused on what she wanted to talk to her daughter about, and she was giving her feedback and soliciting feedback from her. I thought she did a really nice job, actually. She was she stayed mm-hmm. calm herself, and she wasn't pushy about, no, you must keep piano because piano is important or something. She didn't really push anything. She kind of helped her pro and con everything that she was doing. So this is good, and this is not so great for me, Mom. You know, or I don't really enjoy piano. Let's let's drop it. So, yeah. It, was it easy to do? It was easy to do for Hannah and Mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're saying it's it helps to create, like, a relaxation zone. Yeah. Totally. You know, create that place to relax Absolutely. and be calm. Yes, it was optimal. Whatever was going on that day and time, it was perfect, and maybe that was purposeful. Yeah, hope, did anyone else smell the incense in that scene? I mean, right? Very, very zen. Very zen. Very zen. Yeah. Because if you're the mom that's driving her to these extracurricular activities and you get the frustration of going to one thing and trying to make it to the other on time, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I don't and think that would... kids. Right. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. That probably would not be an ideal moment. So maybe, just like Robert said, just creating that comfortable zone or comfortable space is optimal. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something she's going to take away with later, too, as an adult, a young adult. She's going to learn, I need to evaluate my life. And if you're driven, you might get yourself overcommitted. Uh, but having had that experience with her mom will later teach her to take moments to do a self-check-in and go back and go, oh, I need to make a, some adjustments here mm-hmm. and pull some weeds and things and recalibrate. And there's a quote from John Malkovich I've always loved. It's that it's better to have drive than ambition because Mm -hmm. ambition means you're trying to reach some kind of goal. But drive is within you always. Yes. And you're always using that to push you. That's wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really lovely concept. Mm -hmm. We've heard different scenarios at various ages. What tips can we give parents to help just minimize child stress? Well, I mean, one is to create a Zen moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> we can do that. And and um, I think incense that, sales through yes, the roof, I, right? <laughs> uh, Doctor Lalo said it in uh, the last segment too that it's you know making sure that you're okay as a parent as well in order to create that Zen moment because we're modeling for our children how we're managing stress too. They're watching us, so we're kind of on 
on stage, if you will, and they're in the audience, and they're watching to see how we respond to anything, work, life circumstances, natural disasters, anything. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to watch us to see how those adults in their life are managing, and that's a recording that, that will stay with them for a long time as well. We can say a lot, but you know that they're going to pay more attention to what we're doing even most often, with the exception of those end moments. You know, they're going to pay attention to how we're behaving. So having a gauge on ourselves and how we're coping is, is ideal, I think. Most definitely. And one question that I don't want to leave without asking, when, Dr. Loves, when or at what point would you recommend looking for professional help? Yeah, absolutely. When you start seeing that, you know, your child is not sleeping well, they're not eating well, and you've got a period of two or more weeks where they're really disengaged, mm-hmm. they're not engaged in their activities or with their social friends, you're having a hard time reaching out, they're sleeping too much, they're sad, they're crying a lot or angry a lot, and you're just starting seeing that consistency for a couple of weeks or more, you want to be able to extend a hand and reach out. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we have learned plenty to get started on our own new magazine, The Zen Zone. <laughs> Maybe create a relaxation-focused magazine for mm-hmm. once. But that was a... I like it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got I mean, a couple partners. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Oh, this is a great discussion. And, you know, don't miss any of our other awesome, relevant topics. Download the Struggle is Real app and share it with friends and colleagues. You can get related blogs, tips, and more via social media, hashtag the struggle is real or TSIR. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Dr. Cornejo Garcia, Dr. Lajos. Uh, I'm Robert Salazar. Thanks for letting me fill in. And- oh, of course. And I'm yeah. Veronica Avila. This was The Struggle is Real. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.